Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from ScottArtis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from BlackPearlMinute.com. Whew. I actually wore myself out with that. <laughs> it's like running up here to the studio, trying to get the dogs settled so they don't yak. And then I was like, we got to hustle. We got to hustle and get this done. And then I got up here and I got to do this big intro. And I just wore myself out. I'm ready to go to sleep now. Good night. It's like I can't catch my breath. It's almost like I'm Usain Bolt. And I just ran... <laughs> Really, really quickly up the stairs and said a few words, and yet I'm out of breath. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm ready for a marathon. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us for minute 60 of Dead Man's Chest. Without further ado, because we got to get our act together, and really, I need to get some Gatorade and rehydrate myself. In the previous minute, Gore Verbinski takes a page from Seinfeld. Will Turner, having boarded the fake flying Dutchman to retrieve the key and slay any of the crew who get in his way, decides to stop off for a box of metaphorical juji fruits. Nothing says I'm hungry and need to respond to an emergency then, stopping off to have a friendly conversation with the scuttled ship crew. But wait, why the hell would I bury the lead when we clearly have a guy in need of a tracheotomy here? Did anyone mention the words radical reconstructive surgery? Step off, Kraken. Step off. Minute 60 begins with a host of encrusted and weapon-wielding flying Dutchman crew members manifesting from the hull, masts, and structures of the scuttled ship. The minute ends with the captured scuttle ship crew trembling and kneeling as the Dutchman's crew stand over them. Will also is in the lineup, turns his head to watch a peg-leg man-creature walking towards them. I'll just go there. I had some thoughts (laughs) on the peg-leg because... Okay, but I'm going to get in trouble if I mention it. Okay. Peg-leg, maybe not peg-leg. Let's just say that. What's that supposed to mean? Because it's not really a peg leg. It's his crab-like leg that resembles a peg leg. It's peg leg. But we'll call it peg leg. I was thinking about how to start this minute as I didn't really quite, you know, want to start to uh, like unravel the special effects with the Flying Dutchman crew yet. And since it's mostly an action sequence here, it wasn't like there was a, just like gobs of material to break down. I'm not sure if you noticed that. I didn't. But fear not. I do have a plan. It's the perfect time for a list. Yes, a few of my favorite things list about this minute. Did you want the word of the week first? Ah! Oh, damn it. You caught me, son of a bee. <laughs> I, was, I was contemplating how far I was going to let you go. How dare you? Seriously, that's just rude. That's obnoxious. Like George Casanza was told, step off, George, step off. Okay, what? What's the pirate word of the week? Wait, we got to do the intro, all that fancy to do, which is weird because I've already... Damn it, this is bizarre. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do Pirate Word of the Week. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate Word of the Week in 5, 4, 3, 2, 
Freebooter or freebooter? Freebooter? Freebooter. Is that like booter. butter? You got to booter your bread? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would you like some booter for your bread? Well, yes, I would. Thank you. Free? Is that like a freeloader? Well. Is it a person who stows away on a ship? No. Damn it. Okay, what is it? A person who goes about in search of plunder pirate buccaneering. A freebooter? Mm-hmm. Really? So it's almost kind of like another name for a pirate in a way. Or a person such as a pirate living from plunder. Oh, okay. It's actually a Dutch word. How's it spelled? Exactly how you would think. Free booter. Okay. Got it. Got it? Yeah, but you said it was Dutch, so it's I thought Dutch maybe word. it had some no. different spelling. No. Well, it's got some Dutch word here, but you... Yeah. <laughs> here. V-R-I-J-B-U-I-T-E-R. That's what I thought. That's exactly how I thought you spelled it. That's what I was thinking. I didn't know what you were talking about, but that's where my mind went automatically. So it was a um, 1560s word. It's amazing. A, I'm in shock that you brought me that as opposed to just dropping free butter. I got in trouble. Free butter my bread. Butter, not butter. Free butter my bread, and that was it. And basically, it's plundering and robbing. Gotcha. I like it. I think I'm going to start using it when I post our episodes. Like, hey, free booters. And then people go, what the hell is that? (laughs) They're all, yeah, we could use some butter. This episode brought to you by Challenge Butter. Anyways, are we done then with the... We're done with the word. Because I'm really, like, anxious to get back to where I was, because I had, like, some good thoughts. I thought this would be, like, a good time for my list. And I usually throw this at the end of kind of the show. Yeah, shows up usually. I don't think in the, you do. Sometimes shows up in the middle of the anywhere. end. How dare you? Maybe I do throw it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, there's no written in stone placement of where the favorite list goes. A few of my favorite things list. And maybe it won't be like a quick rattle things off list, but maybe it sparks some conversation. I don't know. We'll see. Let's just see what happens. Especially since the debacle with the pirate word of the week that you seem to have forgotten. I didn't forget. You forgot. The flaming sword, because I'm going to ignore your comments. Okay. Flaming That's the sword? top of my list of the favorite things. Maybe not necessarily the top, but it's kind of like a randomized list. But you need to like start this my, list. These are a few of my favorite things. Yeah, I'll have to come up with an introduction. I should do that. And it, I mean, I obviously came up with that because this is Disney. It's a Disney movie, that kind of stuff. But yeah, how did I not come up with a little intro jingle? I have no clue. Yeah, it's pretty lame. Okay, Flaming Sword. It's on my bullet point list here. I think it's a nice touch. I feel like I've seen it before, though, but that's maybe present Scott. How do you Trying know to that remember was... about past Scott. How do you know that was gas? Who said or it was gas? Or flammable did, thing. Did I mention anything about gas? How did he know it was something oh. flammable in that barrel and not just water? Uh, maybe the smell. Oh, I didn't even think of the smell. I mean... Unlike some of the other characters here, namely our faceless chap that we saw in the previous minute, <laughs> Will actually has a nose. I'm assuming it smell. works. You didn't think he could smell. I can't see the smell. You're right. So. There's nothing that's been established in Pirates of the Caribbean franchise with Will Turner that he can actually smell. For no, all we know, I he can't smell. I didn't think of it. Oh, you didn't think of it. So yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. Kerosene, some oil... Some kind of petroleum substance. That's a hell of a barrel to be carrying around open, by the way. Maybe it was On the rum. top of a ship. Was it a rum barrel? I don't have any clue. It's something flammable. Oh, well, we got that. Now we need a Captain Obvious jingle. But it's it's open. Yeah. It's just sitting there open. That's a good it's just point. odd. You should not have flammable materials open on the deck of your yeah, ship. Yeah, right? Wait a second here. My mind was just blown. I just had this idea. 
the Kraken, the terrible beastie from below that we were told by one of the yeah. ship people here. Mm-hmm. The ship is in shambles. Yet you're telling me this barrel of flammable liquid survived the ship attack, is standing on end with its top open. Well, blow me down. And a and lantern above it. And unspilled. Yeah. Why, thank you for the lantern above this flammable material. Yeah. I mean, somebody should have put that in a safety cabinet or locked down below. Okay, so yeah, that's the point we do need to mention. This flammable barrel survived the Kraken attack, which, okay, maybe. But standing on end with its top open, without spilling a drop, I'm sensing uh, movie license here things. Exactly. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't think about that till now. But yeah, that's one magic gasoline barrel or kerosene (laughs) barrel, rum barrel. Whale oil We have barrel. no clue what it is. It's just flammable. I'm just going to keep uh, rattling things off. But you know what's what's really... Okay, I you was saying what's that... What? Yeah. I wasn't sure if the flaming sword was unique. And I was trying to remember... Like, now it doesn't seem unique. But this is me talking presently. And I'm trying to remember if I thought of that in 2006, that that was actually something that was fairly unique. Besides, like, a laser sword, a.k.a. lightsaber. But, well, this is possible. The one thing that really catches my attention with this maneuver, and this is going to say how I've aged since 2006 to 2018. I haven't. I know you haven't, but I have. Not in appearance, but just maturity level. Mm-hmm. And people can tell by the high browness, if that's a word, of the show. And anyways, like I need a movie reminding me of how I've aged over the years. Damn this movie. Okay, here, here's, here it is. Instead of thinking, wow... That's kick-ass. I really like the flaming sword. Instead, I'm thinking, Will, watch out. That oil or kerosene or whatever the hell it was, was dripping down your arm and onto your coat. Yeah. (laughs) I'm worried about your proper safety procedures here, Will. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Don't get a flaming arm here, sir. That's possible. It is. So adventurous youth or that young man better be careful. My mind has been... uh, Combobulated by age and maturity, thinking, oh, hey, how many times do I have to tell you kids not to play on my lawn? That's kind of where I'm at now, apparently. (laughs) I've completely lost the adventure spirit, and now I'm just kicking kids off my lawn. Dang it. I'll be thinking back. It's very true. Yeah. Also. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of things there. A, I'm concerned about the open barrel here on the ship. But again, (laughs) let alone (laughs) the open barrel is the last thing that they had to worry about. It was the Kraken. Yeah. How many times do I have to tell you guys to close the barrel of flammable liquid? (laughs) Sir, it's not a danger. That thing below us is the danger. See, it's just about priorities. In Sumerian mythology, the deity known as Asaruludu. It's easy for you to say. Yeah. And uh, who knows if I got that right. Is the wielder of the flaming sword who ensures the most perfect safety. It's the complete opposite of what we see here. According to the Bible, a cherub with a flaming sword was placed by God at the gates of paradise after Adam and Eve were banished from it. This is my flaming sword stuff. Yeah. So I couldn't go back in? Yeah, it was in Genesis. Eastern Orthodox tradition says that Jesus was crucified and resurrected and the flaming sword was removed from the Garden of Eden, making it possible for humanity to re-enter paradise. And I'm thinking, if only I was human and not a robot. But, you know, you can't win them all. Darren Wynn is said to be a powerful sword that when drawn by a worthy man, the entire blade would blaze with fire. 
A flaming sword with immense destructive power appears in Norse mythology. It is said to be wielded by Surtur, the leader of the giants of Muselheim. Yeah. Maybe I've never, it's been there. I've never I, seen that guy in Thor. Uh, I think it may be in the Thor comics, so. Oh. <laughs> Not the movies. Of course, there's also been a flaming sword in Game of Thrones and the sword of the Witch King in Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Was the sword of Gryffindor actually ever a flaming Harry Potter sword? Did it ever flame or is it just a sword? Just a sword. Well, you can't win them all, can you? I was trying to remember. I didn't think so, but I was like, oh, I wonder if it ever flamed up. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't recall for sure. I don't reason. think so. Either way, shout out to Lord of the Rings Minute and then Harry Potter Minute, since I mentioned it. Got to do that. Okay, here we go. Let's get back to the, the actual list. The sawfish, like, bill weapon here. I like that this guy's using weapons from things actually found in the sea. One of those guys is sporting this sawfish bill. It's like a saw sword. Did you see that? <laughs> no. You didn't? Uh Uh-uh. Sawfish are also known as carpenter sharks, and they're in the family of rays characterized by a long, narrow, flattened nose extension lined with sharp, transverse teeth. They are among the largest fish with some species reaching lengths of 23 feet. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. They are found worldwide in tropical and subtropical regions in coastal marine and brackish waters, as well as like freshwater rivers and lakes. Really? But here's what's interesting, and maybe not surprising is that sawfish noses have been made into swords before. And I'll see about linking some pictures in our Facebook group as well. One I saw had the blade mounted on a European Renaissance hilt. It was like crazy big, because you can imagine if one of these things gets 23 feet long, and this isn't just your average sword size here. It's like something one of those giants in Thor would wield, since we were just talking about yeah. Thor. Yeah, it was it crazy. It seems kind of rude, actually. To cut that off? Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't uh, cut off the... Sawfish bill. To the poor fish. Okay, back to my list again. I like the fish gut spilling out. It gives that creepy supernatural vibe when Will cuts that guy and all those like fish spill out. And Will like grosses out. Of course, who wouldn't? He's already just on the verge of upchucking after seeing Faceless Man. (laughs) Now this, it's going to put him over the top. And I was waiting for the little Kittner boy to tumble out. Because my favorite movie is Jaws. And that's what I saw when I saw that spill out. That was the immediate reaction was to think of Jaws when they're cutting that tiger shark open on the, the dock there. Okay. The mysterious peg leg figure's entrance. I like that. Yeah. The below water uh, shot. Yeah. And I'll say it again. All the underwater shots in Pirates of the Caribbean are always spectacular. Yeah. Even this one, which is just like a baby underwater shot. Baby. It's a little baby. It's like a foot. Yeah. And... It's, this, it's really this great entry shot of our villain. Well, villain, I presume, because we don't have confirmation yet. I mean, come on. His ship just sprung out of the water. There's a terrible crack in here. Men are fighting and... Terrible yeah, beastie. okay, maybe, he's, maybe he is. But the bubbles coming off the peg as it thumps on the submerged deck, I think that was fantastic. Yeah. And then the last one on my list is the ability of the crew to appear from the ship's hull. And I throw this in because it's unique Maybe the first time we see this, and definitely a Pirates of the Caribbean franchise first. Oh, yeah. It's really cool. But it's not the last, so. <gasps> Is it the last? That you Can you think of I don't, another instance? I, I don't know. You know, I haven't seen the rest of the movie you or lie. any yeah. future movies. Trust me. That's true, actually. You've been there. You haven't processed it. It's like you had a bag over your head when watching it. I follow the rules and do not bring up future minutes. Oh. Well, I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> Given Will sees the Dutchman crew pop out of the surface of that scuttled ship, it kind of like surface or the walls, the walls of it, the surface of the ship, the outer surface surface features, like ghostly apparitions. 
Because Heather didn't want to mention it. They're not quite ghostly. I know, but like it, I said. Because they come out of it. It's like they're fixtures. It's maybe like something we see in Dead Men Tell No Tales. Thought I'd throw that in. It's like they're fixtures. Not really fixtures. They just like start to come through it. It's like a portal opens and they just walk right through it. But when we're talking about these guys just materializing from the walls. Okay, Mm -hmm. is that better? I said to myself, hell, this is the perfect opportunity to tackle a different aspect of the Flying Dutchman and those historical sightings of the legendary ship we had been talking about previously. Yes. Yeah. So I went not in legend, but in like reality. I'm jumping into reality now. Okay. Apparently the most credible explanation for all these sailors seeing a specter ship is we had discussed, like I was saying in the previous minute, maybe it was a past couple of minutes. Yeah. Well, the idea is is that this is a superior mirage or a Fata Morgana seen at sea. Thanks to Bugs Bunny cartoons, I think we all really have an idea of, well, we're all experts on mirages because of Bugs <laughs> Bunny cartoons. Daffy Duck drinking a bunch of sand, playing in it, bathing in it. You know, you've seen the you know, desert cartoons. Yep. And he thinks it's water. Well, that's this kind of stuff in a way. So the science of mirages, okay? Education at its finest, learn from cartoons. Anyways, let's set this up with science first. Science! You know, let's get excited for science. Before we jump into the nitty gritty of King Arthur and his fairies. Yeah, mirages, King Arthur and his fairies. Connection to dead man's chest. Oh yeah, there it is. Because it really is all related to the optical illusion attributed to the Flying Dutchman and other ghost ships. Which I didn't know about. So a superior mirage occurs when the air below the line of sight is colder than the air above it. This unusual arrangement is called a temperature inversion. Everybody remember back to their physical science class? (laughs) And yeah, there'll be a test later, by the way. (laughs) And since warm air above cold air is the opposite of the normal temperature gradient of the atmosphere, passing through the temperature inversion, the light rays are bent down, and so the image appears above the true object. Hence the name superior. Okay? Yeah. So we're setting up a mirage. It appears above the object. Okay? And a feta or fada. Feta, fada. I don't know. Morgana. Feta, tomata? Yeah, kind of like that. Is an unusual and complex form of a superior mirage that is seen in a narrow band right above the horizon. So yay, oceans. Okay? (laughs) Horizons. Often, a feta Morgana changes rapidly. And the mirage comprises several upside down and right side up images that are stacked on top of one another and also show alternating compressed and stretched zones. Hmm. So it's like this distortion. Yeah. While it's hovering above the horizon. So it makes it look like it's floating. A floating distortion that makes this ship appear ghostly or ships appear ghostly. Right. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, the science of it. And I'll post a photo or two of our Feta Morganas in the Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group. And we can touch on the connection to other supernatural stuff and legends here briefly. So this name, this Feta Morgana, is the Italian name for the Arthurian sorceress Morgan Le Fay, from a belief that these mirages, often seen in the Straits of Messina, were fairy castles in the air or false land created by her witchcraft to lure sailors to their deaths. Fairy castles. Yeah. Wow. Fairy castles, right there. As her name indicates, the figure of Morgan appears to have been originally a fairy rather than a human woman. In the early works featuring Morgan, they do not elaborate really on her nature, other than describing her role as that of a fairy or magician. Later, she was described as a woman and King Arthur's half-sister and then an enchantress. Hmm. You're an enchantress because you wield your magic. You got that right. Like an evil fairy, more like. Really? Yeah. (laughs) You know, something like that. In 
in a medieval French Arthurian romance novel, let's just say. She is called Mistress of the Fairies of the Salt Sea. There's even a poem entitled Feta Morgana, published in 1873 by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Oh, That's I know all. that guy. <laughs> I should hope you know that guy. Heather's like, where do I know him? I think I met him at the, the deli the other day. That's it, the deli. No. So yeah, mirages. And it's crazy. I've seen the pictures of these things, and it actually looks like the water, there's some distortion, and then a ship is floating above the water. Huh. So it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you can think like, okay, these guys that, you know, they're already got eyes that can't see right because they mistake manatees for voluptuous, (laughs) sexy mermaids. That's how long they've been at sea that even the mermaid is looking like, you know what? I'm okay with her. (laughs) And now they're seeing ghost ships. They're mysterious. Yeah. So now you can, well, I don't know who's mysterious. The guy who thinks the manatee is a woman in the water. Or the floating ghost ship. I don't know. No, but the manatee in the water is mysterious. The mysteri- manatee in the water is mysterious? Well, or the person the who actually thinks it is is kind of mysterious because mermaid. you're like, what is wrong with you, sir? <laughs> but anyways, that's how they could see this. You know, they, they yeah. already had manatee on the brain. Now they're going, oh my God, there's a ghost ship there. So they can't explain these sightings and why this would actually happen. They just see a ghost ship. The guy goes running in. Captain, Captain, I saw this beautiful woman in the water. And then I look up and there's a ghost ship. Captain walks out. No, I see a, what they call a sea cow. And there was something in the distance there, but I don't see anything now. So, you know, it's, it's perception here. And these poor guys out at sea, scurvy ridden. Like, somebody get me some orange juice, see, please. They, they all got fevers and... That's exactly it. They got the thigh sweats for manatees. And that's just wrong. <laughs> Seriously, though. Okay. Yeah. So, Mirage's explanation is pretty cool, actually. So, I'll go ahead and post those. But I thought it was just interesting to to read about what is maybe some possible or probable explanations as to why they were seeing these ghost ships or floating ships that were above the horizon or above the water. Yeah. And then you know how everything gets exaggerated anyways. Maybe that's the manatee thing. The guy out there on watch, out of the corner of his eye, sees a manatee. All of a sudden, it's a mermaid when he's telling the story because he wants everybody to be jealous of him. You know what it is? He's tired of being on watch. He wants others to be on watch. You won't believe what I saw. There you go. That's what it is. I saw this woman. She was swimming around. She was half woman and half fish. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's exactly it. Captain, I want the next watch. And then the guy's sitting back drinking rum. He's like, maybe he's like, I'm not... Wait, I'm not going to give up my watch. I might see another uh, mermaid. Okay, if you give me your shot of rum, you give me your, you know, your food. <laughs> He's so bribing. Guy, yeah, so this guy's bribing people for them to, to do the work. To actually take his watch. Yeah, and then he's kicking back. That thinking those like idiots it. thought there's a real woman out there. And then he rolls with it. I don't know. So do you have anything else for this minute? Do I do. I have, I wanted to talk a little bit about the two people that Will gets to meet in this minute. Okay. The first one, his name is Clinker, and he's the guy that he tells Will when Will's standing on the side. First guy he comes in contact with, down on your marrow bones and pray. Yeah, I like their... With the, he had the ball and chain thing. What are they called? Uh, Like a mace? No, what he... No, it was, it was the balls that are with the chain. The cannonballs. Literally balls, a ball and chain? The cannonballs that were hooked with the chain. Two cannonballs hooked to... Hooked. Oh, man, I'm blanking on it. Oh, wait, maybe it. I have it. I'm blanking on that. Uh, I can't think of it right now. 
Is that what he was using? Yeah. Yeah, that chain shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. So he had, and I come through once again. He has a chain shot, and he's threatening him with that, right? Yeah. So Clinker is much like Bootstrap, as you could tell. He's got more human-like feature- yeah. features than a lot of the other Flying Dutchman yeah. people. His face is covered with barnacles and muscles, with his left eye actually being completely covered. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> his hair is made of seaweed, and he's got an um, algae-covered hat on. Oh, see, you don't want algae on your hat. No, it's, it's never good. Got to get some algae remover. He needs a placosomus <laughs> on his hat. He should he, look one of those up. He actually has a hole in his forehead, and it's lined with a circle of seashells. Oh, really? Yeah. And his tongue appears to be an actual oyster rather than a tongue. That's disgusting. You'd think it'd be more of a, I mean, he does have a gravelly voice that's so hard to understand, but you'd think it'd be more if you've got an oyster sitting yeah. in there. You don't want an oyster for a <laughs> that's tongue. That's pretty gross. It is gross. He's actually portrayed by Andy Beckwith. He's best known for The Infiltrator as Joe. It's a 2016 movie. I don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think How he's about- best known, let me just say this, for Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> as about- of right now, that's what he's best known for for me. How about Rorge um, in The Game of Thrones in 2011? Mm, that doesn't ring a bell. And then he's in a new movie that's coming out in May called Show Dogs. He's going to be Bernie in that movie. Okay. Show dogs. Show dogs. Come back, man. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dog show. Yeah, dog show. Dog show was a good movie. No, that was from the Saturday Night Live I know, bit but dog show's a good movie. Okay, dog show. Isn't it best in show, actually? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Best in show. What are you sending show? people to I see no dog clue. show? They're looking up there. Oh, this movie's garbage. <laughs> Heather recommended it. This movie's complete garbage. Best what the in hell? show. That's it. Best in show. And the second guy I wanted to talk about was actually the gut spilling fish goop. Spill spill guts? Yeah. And bycatch? his name his actually the bycatch, yeah. Is it? No. Oh, I thought I scored that one. <laughs> it's Ogilvy. Really? Yep. He's the head gunner for the Flying Dutchman. He has a single red eye that peers out from a face that looks like coral. And he has a twisted mouth. He's a tall man with a chubby belly. And he fights with a hook and a sword. A hook and a sword. Hook and a sword. Hooks are just not good. No, not not good at all. I don't know. All. Do you want? I mean, do you want to get hooked or do you want to get sliced with a sword? I don't know. I'll a take hook, a hook. Just seems so much more brutal because you can't get away. Then it's not a quick death. You're now hooked, which literally yeah. means you can't get away. Now I can stab at you with the sword. Yeah, it's not good. So Ogilvy has 36 acting credits. Okay. He's per- I'm sorry. Ogilvy is... So you lied to us? Are you kidding? No, you just no, no, lied no, no, to me? No, 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 I didn't. Because it's not actually Ogilvy. We're talking about Jonathan Lindsley. Okay, the real Has guy. the 36 yeah. acting credits. So they're like, they're like, it's really specific. <laughs> this guy has a really specific look. You know, I think you'll be perfect for this role. We're looking for something with this aquarium product. I think you can sell it. Just stand there. Yeah. We need a coral reef. Hey, I can do that. <laughs> He's been acting since 1984, and he's currently working on Kindred, which is a horror movie. That's what I figured. <laughs> I mean, the way he looks, it's got to be a horror movie or a very sad tragedy. <laughs> so, somewhat related, he played East and Brute in The Gentleman Thief. Gentleman Thief. You know, that's where I was going. Kind of really? related. Pirate. Thief. <laughs> that is... Boy, that's a stretch. <laughs> 
I mean, you could have mentioned it, but then you're you're it's related. That's a real stretch. <laughs> I, I mainly liked his name, his title, Easton Brute. <laughs> Not Weston, Easton. <laughs> That's pretty much all I have on him. <laughs> I didn't have any more notable. Well, of course, the guy doesn't have very much credits. I mean, look at him. He's like a coral well, man. Not the guy. Not oh, the, the guy. coral oh, guy. The guy. Oh, that's right. See, I got lost in that. Not, yeah. There's a bunch of stuff, but. Okay. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's too. it for me. I too. mean, how many times can we actually, though, mention Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in our podcast. I mean, it's like we turned a new leaf, too. So we can have all that other stuff, but the real high point for us today was uh, the poet Longfellow. Yes, it was. We can, like, embrace our high society with that. Or we're well-read, we're scholarly. It's like we're enhancing our reputation. For all those new listeners, tell your teachers you need extra credit for listening (laughs) to the show. Or if you're out of school... Okay, I guess life's not fair. You can't get extra credit. <laughs> but you can tell your coworkers you were listening to a Longfellow discussion. <laughs> Might give you that extra edge, though, for that promotion. Maybe you're looking to find a date. Oh, he or she's so smart. Well, then again, maybe you don't want the extra work if they think you're smart. Then dumb it down. Say, <laughs> I was listening to Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, they were talking about the show. Black Pearl show. Okay, I don't know. Bring me that rum. That's all I can yeah. say. Longfellow. We'll just go to bring me a rum, bring me some grog, and we'll get back down to the level where we feel comfortable. Sounds good. Yeah, with the the coral beasties. Yep. We'll be back on Wednesday with Minute 61 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum and the reading to a minimum as well. Let's keep this, let's, let's, let's not try to go somewhere where we're not really suited. Let's just keep it down. <laughs> Let's just keep it where we're comfortable. Yes. Probably a good idea. You've been listening to The Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, SoundCloud.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean, that's for best of clips. And by all means, give us a plug and review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, mateys. Oh, and let's not forget the Facebook Cursed Crew listeners group for post-episode discussions. That's actually a lot to remember, especially if you're in a foggy haze like Heather. Just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button. Perhaps I should have just said that from the beginning. This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... 
That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.